we talked about God's thoughts, and today we're going to talk about God's plan. Last week, God's thoughts, we talked about the attitude of the heart, and this week, now, what do you do? How do you begin to move into that area? And I can't wait till next week. I'm just, it's kind of like now with what the Lord is doing in my own life is, is I'm speaking on what I'm speaking on, and it's fresh in my spirit as I bring to you, but I can't wait for two weeks down the line because I know what he's going to say. And sometimes even when I'm speaking today, I want to say what I'm going to tell you in two weeks. But we need to hear the voice of God. Watch this. I need to speak what God says to speak, and we need to hear what God says to hear. Amen? And so as we dive into that, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And as we began last week, I want to share with you this week also, is that there's an enemy out there, as we learned in the last series, that hates you. The enemy is disgusted with everything that you are because you are a born-again believer. If you're not, today's the day you can receive Christ. But you're a born-again believer, and because you have the, the, the power of the covenant, because your spirit is brand new, because the Holy Spirit lives inside you, that the enemy sees you and he sees Christ. Remember we talked about the roaring lion, that, that uh, you're not alone. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. And when the enemy, he's roaring, seeking whom he may devour, someone that will go outside of the protection of the covenant of God through their actions or even their thoughts. So there's an attack of the enemy. And the Bible says that we need to resist the enemy that we need to literally go and resist what he's doing. But the problem is, is that in, in a lot of cases, we're resisting the enemy rightfully, and we're doing uh, wonderful things in Jesus' name and coming against the enemy and all that. But sometimes when God is bringing correction in our life, when God is speaking to us, when God is taking us from one level to a next, sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it seems hard. When there's testing that is going on in our life and God is testing us, God does not test us with evil. But when he is testing us, we have a tendency because it's uncomfortable. We live in this society of today and it's a wrong terminology of grace, but literally we live in a society today of we just got to all get along. We just got to all just be happy. And the reality is, in this life, there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and destroy everything that you are about. And what God created you to be is something very special, and you are very special, and you have great abilities. You are called of God, and you are anointed of God, able to do great things through God's grace, which is his power. And we resist the enemy, but sometimes we have a tendency to resist the correction or the testing of the Lord. And we push back against the very things God says, if you do this, there my blessings, my prosperity will manifest. But we never get there because we resist the things of the Lord. And sometimes in resisting the things of the Lord, we have a tendency to think that we're, we're under attack. We're not. 
We have a loving Father that wants to teach and guide us into the areas of answered prayer. He wants healing to to absolutely overwhelm our, our bodies and our families and our marriages and every area of our life. But we have a tendency to resist what God says. So Ephesians 5, verse 21 through 33, we started with this last week. Let's read it again. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. See, you feel it? You're uncomfortable. You don't like this. This is what was just said. It's stupid. It's archaic. It doesn't work. I want to tell you, when you understand what he's saying, it's not archaic, but it's something that will really work in your home. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, the spoken word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. Notice the church relationship with God and the relationship with husband and wife, he intertwines. And it basically in the spirit realm looks the same. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave. And when you study this, you'll understand it's the authority. For this reason, a man shall leave the authority of his mother, father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh is talking about actually sexual intercourse, but in essence is talking about intimacy and being in agreement. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. We stated last week that if you would not resist this word and allow this word to overwhelm you and begin to have great revelation of it, you have a 100% chance of success in your marriage. We also found in the Bible that men and women are complete equals. The Bible doesn't, does not tell women only to submit to men. The Bible tells us, verse 21, to submit to one another. So a lot of times when you find men that all they remember of the word, all they know of the word is, honey, you're supposed to submit to me. They, they don't know the whole word because if they would go up one verse, they would understand they're supposed to submit to their wife too. Oops. See, feel that? You're uncomfortable. Then Ephesians 5 tells us how to do that very thing, and that's what we're going to do today is we're going to understand how to do that. I began to give you several reasons why Ephesians 5 works. And we talked about the first role of Ephesians 5. The role in Ephesians 5 makes us attractive to our spouse and cause them to open their hearts to us. In other words, it's not just the woman that has a closed heart. The man can have a closed heart. It's not just that 
that the man has a closed heart, a woman can have a closed heart. And the reality is, it's because we have resisted the truth of Ephesians 5. The mega need of a man is respect. The mega need of a woman is security. Now, as we expressed last week, that doesn't mean some, you know, every woman is, is some weak person. No, you're strong. You walk in the same power of God's grace as a man does. But you have to understand the principle of relationship, the principle of how God loves us, and we are to fear, respect God. It's the same reality uh, in, in the marriage. And we must not resist the things of, of the Lord, thinking that it's of the enemy. So let's look at the second reason why Ephesians 5 works, and we ended last week with this. The roles in Ephesians 5 release the potential in our spouse. All you that are single, this works in your life too. So don't shut me out because you're single. Don't shut me out because you've gone through divorce. Don't shut me out. Don't resist what God is wanting to do in answering your prayer. Don't walk around in guilt because you've been divorced. Don't walk around in all this because the Bible literally, if, you, if I spent years with you and teaching the Word of God, that's how long it would take regarding marriage, you would be so free, you wouldn't need freedom ministry. In a Christian marriage, it's a win-win marriage, no one loses. No one is subservient. No one is lesser than. We are all equal. God's goal for marriage is the husband and wife should reach their full potential in life. That's what Ephesians 5 is saying. So listen to this. If we could reach our full potential without marriage, God wouldn't have created it. I didn't say if you're not married, you can't reach your full potential. So everyone, you know, we always go to the extreme. The reason God created marriage is he looked down at Adam by himself and said, that's not good. No one should be alone. No one, I'm not talking about having somebody with you. I'm talking about no one should be alone. When you recognize the principles and the roles of Ephesians 5, no one on earth will be alone. Men are dramatically better off with a woman in their life. Let me show you a statistic. I love statistics. I always uh, look at them. The example is this. A 48-year-old married man has a 90% chance at reaching 65 years old. But a 48-year-old single man has a 60% chance of reaching 65. Why? Well, I would think my wife won't let me eat some of the things I want to eat. That's not true. Some wives make you rest, make you go to bed, make you, you know, the different things. I mean, but I know there's a lot more to that. But if we could reach our potential on our own, God would not have created marriage. To all that are single, 
if you could reach your potential on your own, God wouldn't create marriage. It's the attitude of marriage. It's the heart frame of what it means that you're not alone. That's why you don't go stick yourself in the corner. That's why you don't allow yourself to be alone is because, bottom line, that's why he's created the church. That's why he's created this relationship that we have with God, that it's full of mercy and grace. So, so in this, let's talk about men for a moment. In Ephesians 5, the roles of marriage, God tells us to nourish and cherish our wives. Now, nourish and cherish is, is, is an ag- agricultural term. And what that means is this. In the nourishing, you are to feed to maturity. We will find out later on to feed to maturity. How do you feed? Well, you sit there with a spoon like a baby. And sp- no, that's not what it's talking about. Or we, I take her out to Burger King once in a while. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about that what you say feeds her. It's what you say to her. And you know what, men? We have a lot of problems with that. Because we say a lot. That's not true. And you are to feed your wives to maturity. The second word there is cherish. It means to, pr- to protect and keep warm. I like that idea. To protect and to keep warm. So, the role of every husband is to partner with God to bring his wife to full potential. God has given us the authority on this earth. Even in our relationship, he's given us the authority, husbands and wives, to do what the role is to create an atmosphere whereby everybody in this world can reach their full potential and purposes that God has planned for them. That's what Ephesians 5 is. So a husband's greatest question to God is, why did you make my wife in her mother's womb. Because for nine months, God planned her days. God, why did you make my wife? Not God, why did you make my wife? (laughs) It's the attitude of the heart. And we are to say, God, I laid down my life so she gets to her full potential of her call. Even if we don't get to ours. Give and it shall be given back to you. So one day, we will give an account of how we helped the most precious person on earth to meet their potential. Hmm. Guys, do you see that anointing that we have as, as husbands to really do some amazing things for the kingdom? This is before I account for my children. This is before I account for my ministry. This is before I account for my job. Before I account for anything else, God will ask me what I did with Terry Klaus. 36 years ago, I would be ashamed because of who I was and my understanding and the ignorance that I had of being a husband. But today I can say, 
I have partnered with God and Terry's amazing. Today I can say that. Because of what God had planned for her to be, I partnered with God, helping God create an atmosphere whereby she can attain those things. 1 Corinthians 11.7 says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. There again, right away, it's like, my husband's not my glory, me. We push away from that. Let me tell you what this is talking about. Men reflect the character of God they choose. They reflect the character of the God they choose, whether it's our God or any other God. We see, we see the character of, I'm just going to be straight with you, we see the character of other religions and how people act from other religions today. But women reflect the character of the husband they choose. You know, the first time I heard that scripture, I thought, Terry's issues are not my fault. They're her fault. Carried on through generations. You know how we can talk that away. When I began to see Ephesians 5, Terry blossomed like a rose. I realized Terry really is my glory. It's not winning a championship as a pitcher. Terry is my glory. What she gets, what she attains in her life is my glory. That's the preciousness of being married. So let me tell you a story. On a Polynesian island in the Pacific years ago, there was a man named Johnny Lingo. On this island, there wasn't many wealthy people, and most were fishermen and farmers. But Johnny was a successful man on the island, and he was single. He wanted, single folks, listen to this, he wanted to get a wife, and on this particular island to get a wife, you bought her from her family with cows, like many other nations. You went to the to father and asked for the woman's hand in marriage, and you offered him cows. Most women went on that island for a cow or two. The record was four cows at that time. I guess you could say that she was a trophy wife. Anyways... There was a man on the island whose name was Moko. He was very abusive, and he had a daughter, and he was abusive to her, and her name was Mahala. Mahala was beaten down. She wasn't an attractive girl, and she walked with her shoulders shrunk over, and her head was always down. Mahala didn't dress well, and her clothes were very disheveled, Mocha wanted to marry her off, but it didn't look very promising because of the way Mahala was. But one day, a knock came on, the, on Moko's door, and Moko answered, and it was Johnny Lingo. 
Moko said, what do you want, Johnny? And Johnny said, I'm here to pay for Mahala. I want to purchase her from you to be my wife. Moko said, really? Hoping to get one cow. And Moko said, how many cows will you give for Mahala? And Johnny said, I will give you eight cows. Moko said, is this a joke? And Johnny said, pointing over to the side, no, it's not a joke. The cows are right there. Moko, on that island, immediately became wealthy. So Mahala goes home with Johnny, and Moko was still a bad guy, still abusive. And it seemed that all was well, but it bothered Moko what had just happened, and he didn't get it. He didn't get the reason why that Johnny gave what he gave. So a couple years went by and Moko couldn't take any longer, so he took a day's journey to visit Johnny on the other side of the island. He went to Johnny's house and Moko knocked on the door and Mahala answered. Mahala was ravishing. She was beautiful, dark hair with flowers in her. Her face was glistening and radiant and she stood straight and wore a beautiful white dress. Moko didn't even recognize his own daughter. But Mahala said, Daddy. And Moko said, Mahala, is that you? And she said, yes, Daddy, it's me. And Moko asked, may I talk to Johnny? And at that moment when he said that, Johnny came around the corner. And Moko said, Johnny, you and I both know you could have bought Mahala for one cow. This has bothered me for two years. I want you to tell me, why did you pay eight cows for my daughter? Johnny looked at Moko and said this. Moko, it's very simple. I always wanted an eight-cow wife. Moko said, that's it? Johnny said, yeah, that's it. And Moko went home. And Johnny said to a friend, the most important thing in my life is that Mahala wakes up every day and knows she is the most valuable woman on the island. See, in the presence of her father, who did not cherish her, she was a beaten down unattractive woman who would have never achieved anything in her life. But in the presence of Johnny, she flourished. The Bible says, husbands, cherish your wife. You nourish her and you cherish her. See, the job of every man is to lay down your life for your wife. She is God's daughter and she is an eight-cow woman. I say to every single woman here today, don't you dare sell yourself short. 
to a man that's looking for a discount wife. So God's role for men is to nourish and cherish their wives. And they, in that environment, become that value in that security. Men need respect. So the role of a woman is creating an atmosphere of respect. Proverbs 31.23 says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land or the city. A wife's behavior is recognized in Proverbs 31, and the man's promotion is attributed to her. Her behavior produces an elder. She treated him like an elder before he became one. 1 Peter 3.6 says, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Who resist. You don't have to call your husband Lord. Well, maybe, oh, great one, but not Lord. <laughs> Abraham on two occasions lied, saying Sarah was a sister. Sarah had a husband that dealt with fear and cowardice. He had great qualities, but in spite of his faults, she respected him. That's what the Bible was saying. I get so, as a, as, not as a pastor, not as someone who leads a church, I get so fed up in the Christian realm when I see Christian after Christian resisting Scripture and saying, well, that's not real, really means, and, you know, I'm not going to be some subservient. Go ahead, resist God. Go ahead. The Bible says that it's pride, and when we pride happens in our life, it is just before a fall. And people are praying for answers in their homes, praying for answers in their lives, and what's happened is people are resisting God and then praying to the same God. A good husband pr provides a protection of nurture for his wife, and a wife is a good cheerleader. Marriage is about creating a home that both reach their potential. Women become all when there is, is, is an atmosphere of protection and nurture, and men become all in an atmosphere of respect. At a football game, cheerleaders are important. Two things we like of cheerleaders. First, they're always positive. Second, even when negative things happen, they yell, defense, defense. Hold that line, hold that line. You go, you go, yay. And it's 48 to nothing, they're losing. You know, a cheerleader doesn't stop halfway through a game, says, you sissy, tackle somebody. They're cheerleaders. Amen. You know, let me just say this little grotesque thing. Men will slide down a mountain on razor blades into lemon juice 
if some idiot says, hey, let's do it again. Right, guys? Remember the stupid things we did when we were younger? Hey, let's jump from the garage to the house, 20 feet down. Yeah, let's go. Oh. <laughs> Talking about my childhood. Anyways. A man will become to the level of his potential based on the respect you give him. A woman will become to the level of, of how you protect and value her. Then you have two people in marriage that reach their potential. Let's talk about the last one, Ephesians 5, and then we'll continue this next week. And I, I, the revelation from next week is just, it's astounding what God has put. Remember, resist the enemy, don't risk, resist God. When you feel uncomfortable, it doesn't always mean it's an attack from the enemy. When you feel like it's not fair, it doesn't mean that it's an attack from the enemy. God is saying, I set this up. You do it my way, it will work 100% of the time. The roles in Ephesians 5 disable our sin natures and keep them from destroying our, mate, our marriage. The third reason, the third role. We all have a sin nature and it can't get along with anyone. A sin nature is jealous, it's selfish, it's envious, and it gets angry. But listen closely. Unless that sin nature is crucified, it will continue to bring destruction in every area of your life. Here's wisdom. Men and women are given different roles in Ephesians 5 because men and women have different issues. Remember the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve sinned. They sinned in different ways. Eve had issues Adam didn't have, and Adam had issues Eve didn't have. So the question is, what are women's issues? <laughs> I saw your eyes. Some women are independent. In a wrong way. Some women think they can make good decisions without their husbands. The devil comes to the garden and talks to Eve, not Adam. The Bible shows us that Adam was there. But the devil talks to, to Eve. So the devil's strategy is to divide and conquer. God unites and conquers. Keep that in your head. God unites and conquers, and you know what we're going to be talking about next week. The devil and Eve have a conversation, and Eve decides to eat the fruit. Watch this. Adam is standing right there, and the devil never talks to him. Now, you've got to get this. But he was there. He's there. He should have been the man of the house. He was there, but the devil never talked to Adam, or to Adam. He talked to Eve. Eve just picked the fruit and handed it to Adam. And Adam just went, Duh, okay. And just... <laughs> God was about to walk up too. It was that time frame in the morning. How do we know? They ate the fruit and God walked up. 
God doesn't sit there and go, oh, I'm surprised. I better get there. He was there. And that's why I'm saying don't resist Scripture because when you begin to say, doesn't matter what the Scripture says, it's for me, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal such amazing truth in your situation. And so what we, what we find here is that, that the enemy talks to Eve and all Eve do, had to do was, devil, I need to talk with Adam about this. Also, uh, you know what, wait a few minutes because I know God's going to show up too. And we'll talk to him. I'll get back with you, devil. <laughs> Adam and Eve never talked it over. What's Adam's problem? Men problems in this, in their sin nature, is apathy. God commanded Adam to subdue the earth by force. God even told Adam in advance what the devil was going to do. And God said to dominate, watch this, every creeping thing. <laughs> the devil came and Adam was in apathy. Adam was just clicking the channels. What? What? Let's go. Oh, okay. How's the fruit? God said, stand up and take dominion talking about spiritual dominion. You, have, you do not have authority over your wife. Wife, you don't have authority over your husband. You're equals. You do this together. You come in unity, agreement. God did not create marriage for happiness. He created it for agreements. <laughs> Ephesians 5 does this. It comes to independent women and puts a second layer of accountability on them. Ladies, you don't act without your husband, and husbands, you don't act without Jesus. Should I say that slower? Uh, you feel that uncomfortableness? Oh, oh uh, wait, wait. What the heck are you talking about, Pastor? I'm telling you, if you will understand the attitude in the heart of this, you are all co-equal. You take a hold of this, and you wonder, even wives, if your husband acts like a jerk, you communicate. Guys, even if your wife is the devil's ex-wife, You communicate with Jesus before you act. That's where we got a problem. <laughs> Amen. You are a team. Ephesians 5 comes to the apathetic men and gives them twice as much as he gives to the woman. Men, you lay yourself down for her. You nourish and you cherish her and as your own body, the Bible says. Ephesians 5 crucifies your sin nature and prepares you to be married, single people. Reason why many don't like Ephesians 5 is because of the sin nature. I don't like that. That's that archaic religion. No, it's not. 
it works, it's very contemporary, and it works today. As a man, lay down your life and nourish and cherish. Put down the remote and get involved. Okay, I'm going to get real sticky here. Put down your phone and get involved. Amen? Just a minute, honey. As a woman, do not be independent and tear down your home with words saying, I will be a woman of God and respect your husband. Do not be an independent. Be a woman who does this. See, when you hear me again, ladies, I'm going to be straight because the Holy Spirit says, say it again in a different way. I believe every woman independently should walk in the call of God that God has placed in her life. She has great grace in her life. But God is saying the struggle that you have is in this independency is to walk away from the things of God. And God is saying to keep you in line in the things of the Lord, do not allow yourself to be independent in your sin nature. By saying, he's a jerk, he doesn't know anything, I'm going to do this, and the heck with him. And you know what? He might be a jerk, but he's your jerk. <laughs> I mean, some of you are looking at me, and I, I am just, I, you know what I'm doing? Right now, I am tearing apart religious thinking. Amen? Are you with me? And I'm saying to you, some of you can shake your head, some of you can put your hands like this, all of that, but I have to stand before God. And I know where God's taking the church because the Bible tells us. Come on Wednesday night, you'll find out more about that. I know what God is, I see prophetically what God is saying to the church. I'm reading prophetic words all from all over the world, what God is doing in the church. And one of the major things that the enemy has done to steal, kill, and destroy is to bring destruction to your home. For women to be bitter and angry and frustrated, for men to be apathetic and just who gives a rat's behind. Amen. Am I being strong here, straight? Yeah, and we need to get to a place in our life where we understand that. Do not be independent and tear down your home with words. You have a 100% chance of success living according to Ephesians 5. In Jesus' name, Satan, I come against you in Jesus' name, and I say our homes are free again. Father, I come against ignorance of religious people 
in our world that push against the very things of God. Let me tell you, do not measure whether the word is true based on your experience. Base your experience upon the knowledge of the word that you have or lack of knowledge. And when you understand Ephesians 5 works 100% of the time, guess what, folks? Valley Community Church, us, we will accomplish much because at church, in our homes, in our businesses and our jobs are all tools for outreach. That everybody we talk to, we will bring them into an understanding of what marriage is. Don't measure your success based upon what's going on yesterday, last week. Base your success on what decision you make today. Will I be that man? Will I be that woman? Men, will I be a Johnny Lingo? Women, will I be a Sarah? Will I see the faults of my spouse, but I perceive and see spiritually who I am as a woman of God? And I will act upon that and not act upon my flesh. Let's all stand.